It is Tuesday, February 13th, 2024. This is another edition of Baseball Today. That is my man, Trevor Ploop. I am Chris Rose. Producer Dan is along for the ride as well. Uh, hope you enjoyed the Super Bowl over the weekend. I just want to let you know that I was hanging out with one of the owners of the Kansas City Royals Sunday night. Uh, that was that was a lot of fun. He's very excited about the baseball season. After, That's awesome. Yeah, you do such a good job covering the uh, you know football all season long. But I feel like you really thrive there at the end of the Super Bowl. I think all the guys look forward to seeing you, and I know all of us baseball today fans and employees love seeing you do your thing on the field as well. Man, you're the best. Well, I appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. I got to tell you, uh, Mahomes is an awesome dude. He is just, he's great. He just, he crashed our interview with Chris Jones and Nicole Hardman. And he comes up there and he goes, hey, do you guys have time for a quick story? Like I was going to be the one who said, yeah, no, I don't think so, Pat. But thanks <laughs> for dropping by. So it was, uh, it was very. Is that when he talks about Hardman not knowing he caught yes. the game winning touchdown? Yeah, yeah, That's because he good. blacked out. Not because he didn't know the rule. He said he blacked out. And so there's a, there is a distinct difference. Can I make a point to just make this into a baseball show? Yes. Last three Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, all baseball players. Right? Great Stafford ball. and then Mahomes twice in a row. Very good. Very good. Uh, longer than that, Tom Brady. Yeah. I mean, there you go. And Mahomes before that in 54 and Brady before that in 53. Don't know Nick Foles' background for Super Bowl 52. So is that the last go. five Super Bowls have been – Ex baseball players? 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58. There you go. How about that? Just saying. Uh, but let's actually talk a little baseball. It's the reason I'm wearing a San Francisco Giants cap because we had a little breaking news on Tuesday morning. Thank you, Susan Slusser, the San Francisco Chronicle, for alerting us that the Giants have now some right handed pop. It is Jorge Soler, reportedly three years and 42 mil for the former Miami Marlin. Um, well, first of all, let's just start with this before I ask the big question about the Giants. I think this is an awesome, awesome fit, don't you? I do. I mean, this team needs offense, uh, and specifically they need power from the right-handed uh, spot. So you bring in Soler, a guy that's you know can do that in spades. I mean, he's in the forty homer club. You know, popped over thirty last year, and they they just need that type of offensive production. He's a little streaky. Um, but that's okay. You're you're going to get that with power guys. Uh, he's, I think he's, is part of exactly what they need. I don't think they're done just yet, but I do really really like this addition to their lineup. Do you know the last San Francisco Giant to hit 30 homers in a season? Ooh. I mean, I got one name that comes to my mind. There's no way it's true. It's not Bonds, is it? 2004, Barry wow. Bonds, the last right-handed player. To hit 30 homers in a season for the San Francisco Giants. You want to try that one on? Jeff Kent. Jeff Kent is correct two years earlier. But the point is, they have the longest drought without a 30 home run hitter. We get it. The park plays big. But, man, not to have one guy in the last two decades when the ball's flying out at a record pace, that's pretty alarming. And so, yeah. you know, Wilmer Flores led the team last year with 23. He was the only guy that had more than 18. You put now Soler right in the middle of that lineup, and as long as he stays healthy, heck, the guy hit 36 homers last year, and he missed 25 games. Now, he's only hit more than 30 twice in a season last year, and when he led the league with 48, I believe, when he was with the Royals at one season. Um, but just the threat of having him there is going to make a difference, Blue. 
Yeah, 100%. I think, like I said, I like this move, but I think they need to do more. Now, obviously, I know they brought in Lee, and, and he'll be you know near the top of the lineup as well. Um, but <clears throat> that's kind of where it goes for me. Like, we have some pieces here. Like, that's it's starting to look like a, a lineup that can get things done and can get, instead of being whatever they were last year, 28th in average, 26th in OPS, we need to get back towards the middle or even upper echelon to really compete, especially in that division, the teams that are in the National League. So I like this, but I I, I want – I think we all know what we want. We either want a Chapman or a Belly uh, to also land here in San Francisco. Yeah, and so yeah, the grander scale question is, you know, are they good enough to contend for at least a wild card spot? And I guess I'll answer that one first. The thing that scares me, as much as we talk about the lineup and the lack of pop until you add a guy like Soler, is the fact that their rotation has a ton of question marks. Now, Logan Webb finished runner-up for the Cy Young. He's the latest guest on the Rose rotation, and he talked about the question marks afterward. Uh, He said he likes the talent a lot, but Logan Webb started 33 games last year. The guys that will now follow him, Jordan Hicks, who, of course, is making the transition from the bullpen in St. Louis to the rotation in San Francisco, he's made eight career starts. Kyle Harrison, seven. Keaton Wynn, five. And Tristan Beck, three. That means that Webb started 33 games last year. The other four guys that are penciled in as their rotation, at least at the first three months of the season, have a combined 23 major league starts. You got Cobb and you've got Robbie Ray, who probably can't help until midseason. This is where they're either going to hang with them or we'll see in 2025. The good news, Chris, is there's people out there that can help. I just mentioned two guys. There's also a starting pitcher out there that can help. And I know I know that they're they're actively trying to get these guys to sign in San Francisco. And it takes two to tango. But that's what I keep saying. Like I don't think I don't think they're done. I think they will ultimately sign one of those three guys. But if they don't end up doing that, then they got to get creative this season because you're right. They need to fill innings. I still think that lineup is a little light as well, and they'll have to go other ways than free agency to do it if they can't land one of these three guys. In the meantime, as uh, spring training is really just getting cranked up for most teams, hard to believe, but the Padres and Dodgers get the season going, the regular season, in about five weeks over in South Korea. San Diego, of course, has a bunch of new faces, not only players, but their skipper in Mike Schilt as well. I mentioned about our experienced players, our more of our experienced core, you know, with uh, Manny, Bogey, Toddy, um, Crony, but, you know, we talked about Joe and, and Darvish. You know, I can tell you that group wasn't pleased with, um, in their terms, the underperformance of what took place and how it went down. So um, without getting into creative specifics, I can tell you that the group that's going to help lead this, this um, 24 campaign is coming in hungry. Well, they better be hungry because last year they expected to be World Series contenders and they barely made it over 500 thanks to a late season run, but they were really never in playoff contention the last few weeks of the season. However, are we underestimating them right now? You know, I I don't think we are, Chris. I think that everything about this uh, roster is top-heavy. I mean, the lineup was top-heavy last year, but they've lost some of those top guys. I mean, they shipped out Juan Soto. Uh, you know, even Gary Sanchez, who had a pr- pretty productive offensive year for him, he's now with the Brewers. They're going to have to have those guys go. But I watched a segment with Brian Kenny, my good buddy on MLB mm. Network, and he said they're going to trot out right now five guys projected for below league average offense in that lineup. And you just can't have that and think you're going to compete with the Dodgers or the Braves or, you know, any of these other teams in the National League. So I, I, 
I don't think we're underselling. I think there's a ton of question marks. Even uh, Schilt and, and, and more of his presser was saying it's a wide open camp, and he really means it. It means the outfield is wide open. Tatis is the only guy that's there for sure. You know, even the starting rotation, like that's wide open. Some of the bullpen stuff, that's wide open. So that sounds nice, and it's giving your guys a chance to compete. But if you don't have like set pieces going into the season, you're just going on thoughts and prayers. I mean, mm. I'm not. I'm not I don't think we're underselling this team. I think we have them pegged exactly where they need to be and they took a step back from last year. We had high hopes from last year that didn't happen. A lot of weird things, you know, with the one run games and the extra innings, but they didn't get any better and the division didn't get any worse. So I'm um I don't think we're underselling them. I think we have them right where they need to be. I agree with you. Um in fact, somebody on this show thought that they were going to win the World Series. I don't need to say who that was, but it might have been the guy who's wearing a San Francisco Giants cap right now. Um, here's the thing. Schilt made a point of talking about his veterans, right? He talked about Machado. He talked about Tatis. He talked about you Darvish. He talked about Xander. He talked about all these guys. These are high-priced guys that have been extremely productive at this level. It's on them. It really is. Do you guys want to be known as dudes who have been very, very good baseball players over your careers? Now, Bogertz is different, right? He's won a couple of rings with Boston. He's solidified. But I'm really talking about the rest of these dudes who have been top-notch at their position, have been stars in this game, have been guys that fans have clamored to see in all-star games and big moments. Do you want to just be high-priced guys, or do you want to be guys that are known as winners? Like, this is the year that you do it. This is the year when people aren't expecting you to be great. Like, we're like, okay, the Padres took a step back. They've dropped payroll by almost $90 million. They'll be okay, right? We just talked about the Giants. They are seemingly at least incrementally improving. We expect the Arizona Diamondbacks to be right there, and they're hanging out and with the Dodgers who spent $1.2 in the offseason. So show us what you're about. Don't be just guys with big paychecks. Be guys with big-time production. Not that they were terrible last year. They were all over league average, but you can't just be 14% over league average. you got to be a superstar. But can they pitch, too? Like, I know that's cliche to say that, but, you know, look at the rotation and, and, and like, where are the innings going to come from? Yep. You know, like, you're getting Michael King over there who made, what, 10 starts for the Yankees. I like him. But, like, you're going to expect him to throw 33 starts this year? Like, you Darvish is a guy who, like, you know, I think you can count on him. I like that. Mm -hmm. That's great. But, like, there's just a lot of question marks for me surrounding the team. It's, it's, it's specifically just depth of the team. And I don't like going into the beginning of the season questioning my depth because you still got to get through 162. The depth's going to go down from there. It's They got a lot of work to do. They do. They do. And you make a great point about where the inning is going to come from. And the top two guys in Darvish and Musgrove, they combined for about 230 innings a year ago. That number's got to be 350 minimum if they're going to have any chance. Yeah. I mean, that's not even that much for two guys at the top of your rotation that you're paying I mean, nine uh, figures. 175, 175, they would sign up for that in a heartbeat. Isn't that kind of sad? That's just the way the game's going now. Okay. All right. I can't deal with not that. Not to mention they lost Blake Snell. Valent- or, uh, Valentine's Day. They just popped up on my screen. Saw well, a young winner. Yeah. Well, well, maybe, maybe, well, he won't be signed by Valentine's Day. I'm going to go out on that limb. So there you go. Hey, today's episode of Baseball Today is presented to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. If you have no idea what SeatGeek is, let's go. First, head on over to your phone. Get on over to your app store. 
Download the SeatGeek app because they're the number one ticketing app that makes buying tickets super simple. More than 28 million downloads. That's what makes them the best in part. So there are more than 70,000 events every single day available on SeatGeek. So that includes not only sporting events, but concerts, if you want to go to that, festivals, and oh, so much more. Here's the thing I love about SeatGeek. They're there to help you out. They're not just there to get your business. They want to tell you what is a good deal. And I'm not talking about, oh, well, I'm going to go get seats on the Florida Lakers game. That's a great deal. Well, maybe not. What they do is they put a green dot if it's a good deal for you, like great seats and financially a great deal. And then there's a red dot which says, hey, slow your roll for just a second. Are you sure you want to make sure of that? And every ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee, SeatGeek, the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of events with swaps for future dates. And we've got the hookup for you. If you use that code word today, 20 bucks off your first purchase at SeatGeek. That is $20 off your first purchase. Promo code today. So click on the link in the description. Download the app right now. Go do your business. In fact, I just did because I'm going to a couple of college hoops games this weekend. And I use SeatGeek app. So that's solid. All right, we continue our jaunt through the National League West. Did you see Shohei taking cuts in the cage for the first time since his elbow surgery? You and I have both stood next to the guy, and we know he's massive. I don't know if it was the camera angle or what, but it looked like he looks like the kid that you hadn't seen uh, during the summer in between seventh and eighth grade, and he grew five inches and put on like twenty pounds of, you know, muscle or what. I mean, the dude looks bigger than ever. The, the Dodgers are, like, trademarking that camera angle. They did the Tyler Glass now video down yeah. into the left. They did the Shohei video down into the left. I love the angle. Keep doing that, Dodgers. Yeah, that thing is awesome. My question is this. Does Otani not pitching this season make your interest in him wane even the slightest bit? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I'm still very much interested to see, you know, number one, him come out in a Dodger uniform for the first time I think will be really cool. Uh, and obviously that's what makes him him, the ability to do both. Now, we know he still can do both. He's just not going to do it this year. Obviously, he's coming back from injury. But I do think it might end up being a good thing uh, for Otani and the Dodgers. I'm kind of doing a spin zone on this a little, Chris, hmm. uh, because it allows Yamamoto to kind of like be the guy. You know, like he's coming over. And I think he I think he's wants some of that like limelight and the spotlight. It's going to be on him. You know, as as far as like the pitching goes in the Dodgers, like yeah, it's gonna be great to see Walker Buehler back. Uh, so that's gonna be a big story too. But Yamamoto is like going to be the featured pitcher there, and I think that's good. Um, also, uh, with Shohei, like look, I think that being able to focus on one is gonna be interesting to see. I want to see him like you know he has a full year. I know he's gonna be doing some rehab throwing and stuff, but just focusing on hitting and and, and getting adjusted into a, a whole new league. And all that, I think, is is important. Uh, it's going to give him time to really find his footing offensively. So if you're talking like – and I know he's done this at, at times um, throughout his career where he's only done one. But when you're giving him a full season of just being able to focus on hitting, I'm excited to see, uh, like, where his numbers end up. I'm, I'm, I think it's going to be great. But does it, you know, wane a little bit, the excitement? Yeah, because I, I think that's where it all comes from, the fact that he can do both, Chris. Yeah. I, although I do think that he is so exciting, period. Anything yeah. he does is amazing. In fact, I hadn't checked his stats probably the entire offseason. And so I was talking with our oldest son, Josh, who's home for a couple of days. And I asked him the question. He goes, yeah, he agreed with you that it probably does 
taper off a little bit the interest in him. And I said, man, so he's just a hitter, huh? He goes, but dad, did you realize how good a season he had last year? I was like, yeah, he, I know he missed the last, you know, whatever, three, three and a half weeks. He, he reminded me that he led baseball in homers, on base, slug, OPS, OPS plus, and total bases, even though he basically missed the last month of the season. And I was like, shit. So he's just going to focus on hitting this entire year. Like, I do think that 50 homers are in play for him. I, yeah. I'm not, and he had his best hitting season. Just, I know we don't pay attention to batting average, but I think it's nice that the guy hit over 300 last year for himself. Like, while he's still striking out a ton, I just think the guy is so amazing at everything he does. Yes, it's going to be a bummer to not see him hit a homer on the same day that he pitches, but he freaking is amazing at everything. And so I'm, I'm still going to be glued to his four or five at bats that he has every night. And I can't wait. Where is he, where is he going to hit? That's my question. If this guy hits like third or fourth in that lineup, what are the RBIs going to look like? He had 95 last year. And that's, that's, you know, through 500 ABs, 44 homers. Like we're talking, he might approach like 130 ribs. It's going to be fun. He's, he's got to hit in the first inning. You, you cannot yeah. not have Shohei Otani hit. Like, I don't hit him like, second or third? I would hit him second. Yeah. I, I would go Mookie and then him and then Freddie Freeman and then Will Smith and then Max Muncy. That's pretty I, good. <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. I think that plays. I think that plays pretty well. I had a 10 baseball reference war last year. You don't see that too often, a double digit. I will say this. So he got injured um, – Tommy John, his first time, did not pitch in 2019, but he did hit that year. 848 OPS, 18 homers in 106 games. But I think he is so much more developed as a hitter yes. now that I think he was just trying to figure out how to get through a season. He was dealing with a major arm injury for the first time. I think now he is in such a different place that he could – could he contend for the MVP just as a DH? It's never been done before, right? No. No, Poppy came close a few years ago. I think he finished, like, runner-up. I, I I imagine it'll be very difficult for yeah. him to, to get top MVP votes if he's just DHing. Yeah. Dare to dream. But if any guy could do it, it'd be him. Yeah. Okay. Um. So as all these teams are reporting to camp, and here we are, we're a day away from Valentine's Day, Give me a squad that you're keeping a close eye on and why over the next few weeks. I know I just said that the San Francisco Giants should be signing one of the top uh, three or four free agents left, but I'm going to go with the Chicago Cubs. I've been interested in them all offseason. The whole manager drama thing, Like I think we talked about that for a little bit and then we forgot about it. The Craig Council going there I think is going to be a big deal. And then I just I like the way this team is constructed. I like the way they played ball last year. Mm -hmm. If they go, I, I want to see what they do because they, they should not be done with their off season yet. Are they going to wait for an injury to go uh, snap uh, uh, snatch up another pitcher, or are they going to wait for an injury to go get Matt Chapman to play third base? I think that's my that's my dream for them is to go get Chapman. And I've said this on the show before, but if you have Dansby and Chapman and Nico Horner at at, at in the infield, I mean, you're, you're talking about probably the best defensive infield in all of baseball. That gets my juices flowing a little bit. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm watching them to see, like, where where's your next move? Because I know you're not done. And I think baseball 
You can say this about a few different teams. I think baseball's better when the Cubs are a good team. I want to see them like really having a, a real deal shot in the playoffs, like competing every single day. They're close. I think there's just a little bit more left to do. And again, it's available for you. Like, go make it happen. It's not like there's nobody out there and you're stuck with your roster. No, there are guys that immediately help your roster available to you. You might think it's a little bit too much money, but go get the job done. I just think like they, I like what they've done. I like the division that they're in. I don't think it's like clear cut. They're the best team in the division by any means, but I think that uh, it's going to be a, a well-fought division. I just want the Cubs to be good, man, and I want them to go make another big move. So I'm watching them over the next six weeks. One, four injuries to make them, to force the hand. And two, just, hey, just go do it without the injuries. Go set your roster up for success. Like, you, they have the ability and the opportunity to do that. So I'm excited to see if they actually do it. You're in the right division, but you got the wrong team. That would be the Cincinnati Reds. Well, they're not wrong. You can. I was, I was, I was gonna say the Reds too. I, I think those two teams are fascinating, Chris. Yeah, I, in part because the Reds have made some moves this offseason, right? They brought in some pitching help, both in their rotation and their bullpen. But I think it's because there are few teams that have more young talent that I don't yeah. think they know which guys are their cornerstones yet. I think they'd like to know. Like, yeah, they I don't know what they, to do with these guys, Chris. Right? There's so many they're, of them. They, and that's the thing. And I don't think six weeks of spring training is going to help figure out exactly who's doing what. Now, injuries are a part of this. And so that means that if a guy goes down, we need you at the beginning of the season. But just look at the amount of depth they've got in the infield. McLean, Ellie De La Cruz, Noelvi uh, Marte, um, Candelario they brought in, Encarnacio Strand. They just signed India to two years, right? Yes. They're booting Spencer Steer to the outfield. So you've, you've got a lot of stuff here where David Bell's going to have to figure out how to keep everybody happy. Most of these guys have not come close to arbitration yet, so they want their at-bats to make sure that they're stacking some numbers too. As much as it's about winning, in the beginning, you want to stick in the big leagues and you want to start to put a, the back of your baseball card together because that's how you start earning money in arbitration years and things like that. I think they've got a real delicate balancing act here yeah yeah no i mean just even those decisions of where you're going to play guys defensively is a, a tough spot because as a player you want it just just tell me where i'm going to play so i can go work at it you know if i'm if i'm having to guess where i'm going to be uh on any given day like that that hurts my ability to go out there and perform on the field but you know a lot of these guys are like just former shortstops that are going to have to move around so you're going to have to make the adjustment i agree i think they're a very fascinating team and obviously one we're going to be watching this year next year like they're they're coming onto the scene in a big way they started it last year and i think they're going to continue it and with this year and the following you know they've got a lot of high draft picks hunter green yeah. already got his extension nick lodolo is a guy who i thought was going to have a huge year last year and it really didn't get off the ground because of injury uh graham ashcraft was like two different pitchers last year then abbott Came on the scene where we were like, who's this yeah. guy? And he started striking out the world, even though he didn't have great strikeout numbers in the minor leagues. Williamson is a guy. They signed Montas. They brought in Nick Martinez. You know, who's going to step up? Who's going to be those dudes? I think in a division where, I mean, I don't know. I don't know who I would make the favorite. Um, the Cubs are, right? They're the betting favorite. Is that accurate? I believe the Cardinals are. Really? Last time I checked, yeah. Oh, okay. 
Well, I mean, that's the thing is that you can make an argument for several teams in this division. I think they're going to be awfully fun to watch. Uh, we need we need the central divisions to be good again. Make the central divisions great again. Is that, is that your uh, political spiel? Yeah, here? I'm serious, it? dude. Like some for of the me. best teams, the most rooted for teams are in the central. Like we need that, dude. Like the Reds being great and the Cubs being great. Like that, we need that. So here's here's Ploof's political platform, people. Make the Centrals great again. It's I guess that's Maca. <laughs> Make the Central great again, especially the Twins. Yeah, I don't think that'll all fit on a hat. You know, and we are we are a pretty non-political show here, but I guess whatever you want to do. I think everyone can rally around that idea. We yes. need the Centrals to be good. <laughs> that is a philosophy. Please, yeah, throw in a comma and then please at the end. I like that. All right, last thing. Julio Rodriguez was among the baseball celebrities seen at Super Bowl 58. Um, he actually had an Instagram post that, you know, said he's hungry. You know, he's looking at the field as the Chiefs are celebrating the championship. I, too, am hungry, but it's for something different. Now, if you put the World Series in a neutral site for seven-game series and weather was not an issue, where would you take the games? I actually put a lot of thought into this one, Chris. You have to hear me out, okay? This is this goes along with the make the central divisions great again. Okay, mm. I'm gonna stick in the middle of America here, okay? For a couple different reasons. Number one, you know, I we have to have the ability to tailgate. We have to have the ability to tailgate, right? Some of these parks you can't tailgate at, right? So, number one, gotta be able to tailgate. Number two, we need like sort of like a centralized downtown area where you can put all the festivities and people stay there, and you're able. It's gonna be for what, how many days is a World Series? Ten? Yeah. Well, so you got, no, you're going you know. to be there for ten days. you got to be able to walk around and do all these things. Um, it can't be too expensive. I didn't like hearing about the prices in Las Vegas. I didn't like that. Mm. I want it to be affordable for everyone. So something that checks all the boxes, and it's a beautiful stadium, Kansas City. I love the stadium. The downtown area there is great to walk around. There's breakfast stuff. There's dinner spots. Like there's nightlife there. There's a couple that there's like an older part and a younger part. And then you go to the park and you could tailgate and do all those things. I just think it's like the perfect place for a World Series for ten days, seven games. Uh, that's really interesting. It is yep. a beautiful place. It is a great, great. Yeah, experience. don't shortchange it just because it's in Kansas City, Chris. No, 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 no. no. I, I always loved going to the World Series in 2014 and 2015 there, in part because some big cities, when a huge event comes into town, you're seen as a pain in the ass. More traffic congestion. They're not happy to have you there. When you go to, like, when we had all-star games in Kansas City or in Minneapolis or in Cincinnati, these – I'm not going to say smaller towns, but cities that don't get a lot of shine on them in the sporting globe, they roll out the red carpet for you. So I think Kansas City, you nailed it there. That's a great yeah. one, which Thank is you. exactly why I'm going to go with Miami. Um, I, I like Miami too. <laughs> now, here's the reason. Yeah, now that's part of it. Party. That, is part of it. that is part of it. The party aspect will be insane. And I have had some – in fact, there, uh, Super Bowl 41 was down there and we took Best Damn. I had to move my flight up because if I hadn't, I think I would have, I would have died. You would have made it. I would not have made it. I moved it up a day. I didn't even stay for the <laughs> game. I was like, I got to get out. I have to please, please get me out of here. Um, so that's part of it. The other part, I have been extremely impressed with the way that community has rallied around big time event baseball the last two okay. years. World Baseball Classic, 
and then most recently the Caribbean World Series, right? I I think it's great. Now I understand it because of uh there's a cultural aspect to that. And are we going to get that in the World Series? Maybe. Maybe it probably depends on which teams are there, but I think the possibility of having it that joint it was has been jumping the last 2 years with international events. I'm crossing my fingers that it could continue for the World Series. I went there initially when you first posed this question because obviously the the nightlife is great, the restaurants are great, the scenery is great. You got the beach, all these different things. Um, but I just I I needed I needed it to be like I wanted everyone to feel like they're in the World Series bubble. And when you're in Miami or LA, there's too many things distracting you. I wanted to feel like you're like you're there for the next ten days just for the World Series and. I think you get that in Kansas City. I don't think you get that in Miami. Yeah, that's fair. Um, let's see here. Two other things I wanted to mention. First of all, you are right about Las Vegas. Now, it's going to be in the Super Bowl rotation, but just to give people a little taste, it was nuts. I got in there with uh, with Michelle on Saturday. We walked into our hotel. I could not believe – I thought I got dropped off in the middle of Times Square on New Year's Eve. That's how crazy it was. And there was a fanatics party, Michael Rubin, I mean, he had every big-name celeb, so they actually blocked out three of the six elevators in our tower wow. for, like, five hours. I mean, everybody was at that party. That was no joke. I was not invited. Um, so there you go with that. But it was insane. I don't know why so many people came into town just to be a part of the event. Don't ever do – I'm going to give you – this is like the John Boy Media dad talking to you right now. Okay. Please listen. If you did not have tickets to the game, this was not the weekend to go to Las Vegas. The stadium seats a little bit over 60,000. So I know only 60,000 of you jokers were out there for the state for the game. The rest of you just wanted to party. There were a half million extra people in town wow. just to party in Las Vegas. You know what that does? That means you can't get a cab, you can't get an Uber, you can't get a reservation anywhere, and you can't walk anywhere, and you can't drive anywhere. Don't do it. Price is up, too. Every price is jacked through the roof. Just to get into a cab, it cost you 10 bucks just to sit your ass in there, not even drive anywhere. They said it. It was $10 or $15 surcharge just wow. to sit in it. So don't do it. Don't go there. Every weekend's a party in Las Vegas. You're not missing anything if you don't come to the I'm – I'm just telling you. So next time it's there, don't do it. You know, I, I watched the game with uh, Matthew and Sean McVeigh. At the end of the game, I was sitting there between – quarterback and head coach two of the smarter football guys i know and i'm listening to them talk about strategy and the looks and the coverage and it was like a master class uh in talking football both those guys have a future in broadcast if they want it it's, it was pretty cool it's like a surreal event to be honest right. with you did uh did mcveigh say whether or not he would have um what he would have done with the coin toss in overtime it, immediately he goes did they just take the ball he goes you can't do that he goes, you need the fourth down. He goes, you have to defer there so you guarantee yourself four downs. He said that immediately. I had no idea what he was talking about. I was like, oh, okay. Did the rules change? I was that idiot. They didn't know. I was yeah. like the San Francisco 49er players. They didn't, I didn't know. Yeah. And he explained it perfectly. And I'm telling you, those guys are so smart, dude. They're always thinking. The only other thing I would have said is that San Francisco's defense looked washed at the end of the game. So I think he needed to give them a breather. That part I would have understood. The strategy, I didn't. The yeah. emotionally and physically exhausted defense definitely got that. I do want to end it on a baseball note. Okay. Congratulations to Jenny Kavner. She has spent the last 12 years in the Rockies organization. She is now the first ever full-time female play-by-play -play 
um, for the Oakland A's. So congratulations. I, I think it's a great, great avenue. I think if you're going to show young girls that you want to go that direction, to have somebody that could be the face of that moving forward, awesome. Awesome. Really cool. Snaps. Real no question. All right, we're back live later this week. I think we're going Thursday. Uh, I will discuss with Mr. Plouffe and Dan Rourke. But we always appreciate you being here, whether you're live in the chat or checking out the show later on podcast form or on a YouTube channel. We just appreciate your support. You've helped this show grow tremendously in now the three years that we have done it. So we appreciate it. So for our one-of-a-kind producer, Dan Rourke, and the uber-talented Trevor Plouffe, who's always hobnobbing with stars like Stafford and McVeigh, I am Chris Rose. We will see you later this week on Baseball Today.